This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. I've got a terrifying scenario for every coach trying to win a national title this season. If your name isn't Nick Saban, it is the Chuck Oliver Show live on a Friday, and I am broadcasting at Hooters somewhere in your footprint. Uh, nine states, 56 sticks, tell you that every single day. And wherever you are listening right now, I promise you there is a Hooters, and they will serve you wings while you watch basketball or anything else. But today, basketball, uh, the fish tacos, uh, the burgers, you name it, it is all fantastic. Uh, I said that. I have a terrifying, and I'm not overusing that word, folks, uh, a terrifying scenario for every coach trying to win a national championship this season other than Saban. And when I say the terrifying scenario for that group, we think, well, what kind of terrifying scenario could you have for Ryan Day or, or Dabo or Kirby or Jimbo or whoever else? Whoever else that you know is um, – trying to win a national championship this season. Um, there is a very short list of coaches who we talk about being in that group. And not much is probably built to terrify him. Um, Wilts Anderson, here is your terrifying scenario. He finished fifth in the Heisman voting last season. He's not the Bama defender I'm watching this coming season. I think Dallas Turner is going to be every bit as good, and he may actually have a better statistical season in 2022. Uh, if you don't know the story of Dallas Turner, Dallas Turner's a kid who was a true freshman last year, did not even show up for spring practice. He was not there early. Dallas Turner shows up in August, and there were some whispers. There were some stories. There are some folks that want to talk about this freshman linebacker at Alabama. They wanted to talk about him at least in one way, comparing him to Minka Fitzpatrick as a freshman. And what they were talking about was his brains, his prep, his everything. Dallas Turner's an outside linebacker. He plays opposite the other position from Will Turner. And to start the season, he was on special teams, and he was running around spot duty on defense but not really playing a lot. Even during the season, after an injury of the first guy an injury of the second guy, he still only started three games. If you look at... Dallas Turner, as the season progressed, I can tell you that Drew Sanders, one of the guys who was playing ahead of him, he obviously thinks that Dallas Turner is going to have a tremendous 2022 season. Christopher Allen, who was the starter in the Miami game before he got hurt, I don't think it's unusual given what we saw on the field and then what we 
also heard about Dallas Turner from people like Will Anderson, his preparation, his mindset, where he was as a freshman, the opposite of what those wide receivers were uh, that Nick Saban was talking about after the national championship game. I think Turner would have taken over for Christopher Allen at some point, regardless of if Allen stayed healthy. Again, there are Minka sort of comparisons to be made. Brain, work habits, abilities, different, totally different guy. There's a story. Do y'all, do y'all ever hear the Kirk Herbstreet story? I was talking yesterday about how week one I'm on the field, uh, Grayson was playing somebody. This is uh, 10, 10 years ago maybe. And I'm talking to the head coach of Grayson High School, Mickey Kahn, guy who actually played quarterback at the high school where I coached. Now he's the co-defensive coordinator at Clemson. Well, he's the head coach at Grayson, and Grayson is a state championship program in Georgia, just north of Atlanta. And he's telling me about Robert Kimdichie. I'm like, who's that? He's like, oh, that's his little brother. Oh, excuse me, Denzel Kimdichie. He's like, that's Robert. That's the little brother. It's the same sort of thing. Kirk Herbstreet's out at Alabama practice. He's like, yeah, I understand all these upperclassmen. Who's that kid, 29? Oh, he's a true freshman. That's Minka Fitzpatrick. Mindset, habits, work ethic, all of that stuff, he's going to be an All-American. And he wound up being an All-American in a first-round pick, and now he's been playing good NFL football for about five years. Folks, when you talk about how Minka Fitzpatrick projects to the next level, all right, that's Will Anderson. He's on the line of scrimmage. Minka was in the back seven. I know all that. Will Anderson is likely to be the first or second pick in next April's draft. I think Dallas Turner is going to be every bit as good. And after Will Anderson makes the pros, they may flip Dallas Turner over to that side. So, yeah, Will Anderson, an edge guy, that good to go first or second overall in the draft. And, again, depending on needs and if there's a quarterback. And so you always have to say, hey, he might go second even if you know what the NFL is about. Quarterback, edge rusher, two guys to cover downfield. Boom, there's your NFL game. Will Anderson could be the first overall pick, and Dallas Turner has the chance to be every bit as good, and he was a true freshman that started three games last year. That's how talented and then everything else he has. Uh, Will Anderson was even talking about his habits coming in. And, again, the things that Nick Saban pointed out about the freshman receivers who maybe could have had a different approach mentally to practice during the season. Um, Will Anderson was saying, oh, no, that's Dallas Turner. He had all of that stuff. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Georgia Tech already had their spring game last night. Power 5 team got spring practice in the books. Going to come back, talk with our good friend Kelly Quinlan from Jackets Online. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey Atlanta, Hudson Mason here. Is a new roof still on your to-do list, but you've been delayed due to rising home service costs? Well, here's a fantastic solution from Accent Roofing Service. Zero down, zero payments, and zero interest for a full year. That's right. You can get your new roof now and start paying next year. Act quickly because Accent's incredible offer of zero, zero, zero with a 12-month deferred payment option for a lifetime roof system isn't going to last long. Contact the craftsman at Accent Roofing Service today. AccentRoofingService.com.
Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. So many choices for a head coach when he is deciding how to map out spring practice. And I believe down at the Flats at Georgia Tech, as I'm recalling, Jeff Collins announced his spring schedule and this is his fourth spring yeah it's his fourth spring practice and when he announced the schedule what struck a lot of people is wait wait a minute your spring game's on a thursday night uh and wow it seems to be over a little bit early if i'm recalling his reasoning he said that spring practice actually starts maybe today or tomorrow on campus there weren't going to be any students on uh on campus for the spring game if they pushed it back plus he didn't want to split it up and have the kids come back for a few practices you know a week and a half later so there's a lot of different ways to do it, and they are all right answers. Uh, but Georgia Tech has completed its spring practice with their spring game last night and plenty of new um, looks on offense and defense. Want to welcome on now publisher, Jackets Online, good friend of the program. It is Kelly Quinlan. Kelly, how are you, brother? I'm good, Chuck. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, last night uh, it was sort of a different look, not just a Thursday night, but talk about the field. Um, what I saw down there was tables and chairs and catering and everything out to about the 30-yard line. It looked like uh, Tech was going on about a half field. Is that right? They So basically they went from anywhere from about maybe like the 35, you know, up to the 50 for the drives, driving to the, the north end zone. And the south end zone was basically like a beer garden. Um, I think that's something that they're sort of testing out, possibly to do to the south end zone long term. Uh, it's something that Todd Stansbury actually did at, at Central Florida. So uh, having sort of a field level party basically going on uh, makes sense. The south end zone's not like taking up a lot. So it was kind of fun. Uh, everyone I talked to that actually did that went down into the beer garden and said it was awesome. So. You know, I, I, it seemed like that was pretty successful for them. You know, spring game sort of, it, it was basically treated like um, a practice. They practiced for about 45 minutes and then scrimmage for an hour or so. So it wasn't dissimilar to uh, uh, practice, except they held back a lot of stuff because it was on TV. Now, they've, uh, and I said there's a lot of different ways to do it. One way I've always been uh, a fan of is you have what you call your game, which you're right, it's a practice, and it's, all right, goal line, or take it out to the 30, or, you know, whatever it is, and they just change it on the fly anyway. Um, But I've been a fan of coming back for a practice or two after spring, uh, after the spring game, because that's sort of a cleanup session. I've always thought if you play a game situation and you have some errors, you, you always correct them in practice on Monday, and for a lot of coaches, they don't have that. So that is what Jeff Collins has, a couple of practices coming later after they get back from spring break. Is that right? Yeah, so the plan originally was they were going to have one leftover practice, and then something came up, and they had to push the start of spring ball back two days. So they started they're starting on Thursday instead of a Tuesday. So now they'll have two, um, you know, the last two, probably, Tuesday and Thursday in March. I forget what the the dates are. I think it's like those very last two days of March or whatever, but um, or last three. But they're gonna have two practices. They get a chance to clean things up, you know, go through things. Kids get a little bit of a mental break from school, which is huge. And you don't have to worry about, you know, putting on a spring game in front of you know all of the media and. 
TV or whatever, and, and your huge fan base, you can kind of just focus on the stuff you guys want to focus on for them to work on over the summer. Well, let's talk about what happened last night. And obviously, it started, if you got a new offensive coordinator, new play caller, all of that, uh, you have a returning starter in Jeff Sims as well as a transfer. Uh, kid uh, Zach Gibson came down from Akron. Uh, what did you see last night? Because they got the, the lion's share except for some late walk-on action, didn't they? Yeah, basically Jeff and and Zach Gibson played every series. Zach Pyron, the freshman quarterback, was out with a thumb injury. He's he'll be okay. He just was not active last night. Uh, so you know they they set things up. They had about eight guys out with injuries. Uh, even you know like Malachi Carter's the you know probably their best receiver didn't play much. He, he ran a couple of routes. And that was it. Just holding guys back who've been banged up. So basically, they, they ran some pretty vanilla stuff with Jeff Sims. Let him do his thing. Obviously, not going live on the quarterbacks sort of not helpful for Jeff's game, which is you know all about using the pocket, moving around, and all that stuff. But he threw some decent balls. Zach Gibson came in. This is very much Zach Gibson's uh, wheelhouse. You know, no real pass rush, dropping back, and, and he can sling the football, and he did a nice job, but. You know, context is everything, right? So, you know, he's playing with the twos and the threes and slinging the ball around, and he he did a good job. And, you know, everybody always gets excited about the backup quarterback, but this is Jeff Sims' team. And and it's nice to see Zach throw the football. If he had to come in a game, you'd, you'd be okay with that. But, you know, they were running maybe the most vanilla stuff compared to what I've seen all spring. And I totally get it because they were on, you know, the ACC Network, you don't want to tip your hand. You're playing Clemson out of the gate, too. So you need to hold back some cards if you can. The running back room got a little thinned out, uh, a lot thinned out when you talk about the top of it with Jameer Gibbs and Jemias Griffin both transferring. Both landed power five spots. Jemias uh, got his Oregon State offer. Uh, but how did the uh, the running backs look last night? I guess Dante um, and uh, kind of an open an open competition there. Yeah, you have Dante Smith and you have Hassan Haller transferred from Louisville. Yep. Those are sort of the top two guys. Dante's, you know, kind of the guy, I think, going forward. You know, he got three or four carries. That was it. He was effective in his his couple plays. Uh, they were not trying to bang those guys up. Hassan Hall, uh, you know, showed a little bit. He, he caught a pass, and he's kind of that, you know, quasi-Jameer Gibbs kind of replacement in terms of being a – a guy who can return kicks and, and catch the ball out of the backfield and all those things. You saw uh, Daylon Gordon, who's a walk-on running back, looks really good, and then the freshman Antonio Martin, uh, is a local kid, played a little bit as well later on in the scrimmage, and he had a couple nice runs. So, you know, it's it's hard to tell, right? Like they're trying not to get guys hurt, and they're running really, you know, basic inside zone or whatever, like just sort of the lamest stuff they can run. It's just so, pop pads, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was just like, you know, hey, here, we're going to tackle you lightly. No one was laying the wood to anybody out there. I think there was one maybe, like, decent hit in the whole scrimmage. So, you know, you don't want to hurt your teammate. And so guys pulled up a little bit or they blew some quick whistles. Well, if you look around at, like, defense in Pro Bowls and All-Star Games, you know, Senior Bowl and all that, all right, no blitzing um, because even a vanilla defense will have an advantage over an offense that is still trying to find its way. Um, so against that disclaimer, uh, anything exciting from the defensive uh, units last night? 
you know, Kenyatta Watson, who's a transfer from Texas, was also a local kid from Grayson. He had a nice PBU and an interception. The defensive line actually got after Ken- Keon White, who's been a guy that everyone's been really excited about, who you know hurt his leg last year in the off season playing pickup basketball, uh, and and really came back and played like the last four or five games of the season was about fifty percent on that leg, was clearly hobbled by it. Uh, he looked great. He was running around. He got after it. Daquan Dallas is a kid that stepped up at defensive tackle. He had a nice uh, game last night. Uh, you know, Demetrius Knight uh, did a lot of good work in the with the second unit on defensive linebacker. He's a guy that's been around the program a long time. That they kind of need him to step up. He's a guy that helped win the Miami game two years ago down in Miami. Uh, he got the defensive touchdown at the beginning of the game uh, for them. You know, there's there's lots of guys. I thought the secondary played a lot better. You can see what Jeff Collins was talking about. You don't see people looking at each other, pointing, wondering what's going on. They're all on the same page, running the same coverages, and they understand what everyone's doing, which is a huge step up from what they've had the last couple of years. You know, just cleaning things like that up would have won. That would have got them in a bowl game last year, simply, in my opinion. Like, if they hadn't made the mistakes they made in the secondary last year, just that alone was uh, such a difference maker for them. I think if you clean that stuff up, they're in a much better path. The trick for Jeff will be he's got to get two or three wins in the first five games um, just to keep the heat off himself because the schedule's really hard out of the gate. Last thing for you, Kelly, wrapping up again, uh, Kelly Quinlan from JacketsOnline.com, uh, part of that Rivals Network. Y- you know, we talk about Jeff Collins. He's the head coach, and we can assign numbers. Well, it's been three wins and three wins and three wins, so he has to go to a bowl or six or seven or whatever it is. Um, I'm not trying to fan flames here, but I think that it's pretty well accepted that at least at athletic, you know, universities, that the AD is evaluated with men's basketball and with football. Um, We got about a minute left. Talk about Todd Stansberry and, and his future potentially. You know, Todd's been really good at fundraising and and doing some interesting things with the program, trying to move it forward. But, you know, he hired Jeff Collins and that, and gave him a, a pretty intense contract. And that looms large on Georgia Tech people's minds. They didn't like kind of the, the way that, you know, Jeff maybe handled himself out of the gate some people, and it struck a nerve, and, and that's causing whatever friction there is right now. I think, you know, winning cures all, and Todd needs needs his guys to win. You know, Josh had a tough season as well on the hardwood. They got to win, right? If they win, then that makes people happy, and it takes the heat off Todd. But if Jeff comes out and wins three games again, it's going to be hard for him to, to, to yeah. justify his employment going forward. Kelly, I certainly appreciate it as always, brother. Thank you for the time today. No problem, Chuck. All right, Kelly Quinlan again from JacketsOnline.com. And, again, um, just a uh, spring game last night with Jeff Sims going against the ones, and he did some good things against them. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. 
Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart, and there needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomclosets.com, and then call us for a free in-home consultation. Now back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. Rolling through hour one on a Friday, it is the Chuck Oliver Show broadcasting at a Hooters somewhere. Doesn't matter, folks. We're in nine states, 56 different places. Uh, and somewhere around you, you could be at a Hooters as well watching college basketball. Uh, I tell you, all week, all year, it's all college football on the Chuck Oliver Show, except for my first question for our next guest, because I'm going to throw the dice and assume he watched some basketball. I want to welcome on right now from Saturday down south, good friend Connor O'Gara. Connor, amigo, how are you today? Uh, Chuck, I'm doing really well. You know, full day of basketball is in the books. You are correct. I, I do I do love me some March Madness. I was sad to see that my Indiana Hoosiers showed up, but not really. I mean, they were technically there, but uh, five games in, in eight days sort of caught up to them. But, yeah, I watched a, a full day of college hoops, just getting the workout in and uh, ready to do it again today, man. Um, all right. I don't know if a statement is a question or even one word, but uh, Kentucky, discuss. Woof. Um Man, like I, there, I did so. I did uh, two days ago. I did nightmare scenarios, realistic nightmare scenarios, and fan expectations for every SEC team in the tournament. My nightmare scenario for Kentucky was losing in the Sweet Sixteen. It was not losing in the first two rounds. And I, I look, we always say, you know, you never, you, you never assume anything in March. This time of year is crazy. There is no world in which I could have seen last night playing out the way that it did. I mean, like, even, you know, at halftime, I, my brother lives in Lexington. He's a, he's a Kentucky fan. His wife works there. Um, you know, they, they had tickets to the game on Saturday in Indy, and they're like, oh, well, surely we'll be fine. We'll get to go to this game. And, you know, they're like, I'm texting him at halftime, like, Kentucky's fine. Like, they're, they're going to figure this out. It's a long game. You know, they still have the biggest advantage inside with Sheepway, and they still just got nothing from the guards. It was baffling to watch. I, I'm I'm truly stunned. And now the, the question becomes, you know, can Kentucky do what Virginia did 2018 going into 2019? I mean, that's, that's really the only way to move on yeah. from a loss like that. It's one of the biggest I've ever seen. All right, well, let's talk football because uh, that's what you and I do. And talk about the Ole Miss backfield. Um not necessarily the quarterback. I think it's going to be Jackson Dart, but he is collecting transfer running backs like they're rare coins, man. Um, everybody saw Zach Evans because we all followed him two years ago when he was a five-star trying to find a school. Uh, gets Bentley, the kid out of Southern Methodist. Lane Kiffin, he's going to have fun this fall. Yeah, I mean, he really will. It's kind of an overlooked storyline that he lost his three-headed rushing attack to yep. the NFL, Snoop Connor, Jerry Neely, and then you have Henry Parrish going to Miami and, you know, he just casually replaces them in the portal. And that's kind of been what Lane has been doing. You know, it's interesting. I remember coming on your show like two or three years ago and you're like, where's Zach Evans going to go to school? And I'm like, I don't know. Where, where do you think? Like <laughs> nobody knew where Zach Evans was going to go to school. He had the sign letter of intent with Georgia. He gets out of that. Some, you know, some issues that, that plagued his recruitment, but 
Like, to see him end up at Ole Miss, I mean, he's going to a really favorable situation. They returned the majority of that offensive line. The fact that Lane went out and got Ulysses Bentley, the fourth, I mean, all-time name there that, that he has. <laughs> he's going to be able to he's going to be able to add a presence to that backfield. Like, there, there's plenty of room to eat in that backfield, even though they're going to be kind of shifting maybe their offensive approach slightly, at least with the loss of Jeff Levy. But I love what Lane has been able to do in the portal with this backfield. I was talking earlier this week, actually, I have my good friend Richard Cross on, who does sidelines for Ole Miss, and I said, uh, as much as it pains me, I mean, I tried to be honest on the show and, you know, fair, but uh, I said, basically, since Pat Dye showed up at Auburn 40 years ago, Auburn's, by and large, every season, they're really good. Um, and Ole Miss, by and large, in my lifetime, was let's beat Mississippi State and go to a bowl. I think Ole Miss is, there is potential that Ole Miss takes Auburn's spot. Like, oh, yeah, I, I, I mean, and it, and it could be permanent, and real. I, look, I, I think I, I think as long as Lane is there, yes, one hundred percent, yes. I, I mean, I I don't know what the future for Auburn really looks like. I, you know, you look at the recruiting spending numbers, and I can't remember where where I got this from, so I apologize for not being able to, to cite this. But there was somebody who who broke down the exact financials of spending on recruiting, at least what was reported, and. Like Auburn was sitting there, like right right around the same level as Rutgers and Kansas. And it's like, man, this is 2022. You you don't you don't win that way. You've got Georgia spending four times as much as you are on recruiting, and you're you're sitting there trying to compete for the same exact thing. That's just not the way that it works. And this new facility is really going to help them, and that's going to pay dividends. But I, I I think as long as Lane is that old Miss, I mean, I think there are a lot of favorable things that they really have, and they've been able to kind of get to this place where they just had the best regular season win total in program history, despite the fact that their defense was uh, hit or miss. I mean, it was definitely improved, but it was still pretty hit or miss. So I, I think Ole Miss has absolutely raised its floor, and I think I agree with you that I think that it's kind of taken Auburn's place in the division for now. Bounce downstate to um, Starkville. Um, how long are we going to still be marveling about the Mississippi State defense? Um, because the first two seasons, I mean, they have care- certainly carried their weight. Um, and this is a different sort of uh, profile of a team for Mike Leach. She's not used to having certainly th- that caliber of athlete over there, but just the raw production over there. I think Mississippi State fans love Zach Arnett as much as any any coach that they've had in recent memory. I think that even includes Leach, to be 100% honest with you. What he has been able to bring there with the three-three-five and the things that he's been able to do with his run defense is certainly impressive. I mean, that was such a, a big topic of conversation last year when he was going on that visit to LSU and they're worried about, oh, is LSU going to poach him? I honestly think that he's he's kind of going to be in it for for the long haul. Not I shouldn't say for the long haul, but until maybe he gets a head coaching job, which I think could happen at, at any point moving forward. But they they like the fact that they have this run defense that they can build around. And usually Kiffin's offense or not Kiffin's offense, but Leach's offense doesn't play complementary football. And now we're seeing Mississippi State just kind of be able to to crank out these stud all SEC type of guys who I, I think moving forward I, I think they're in really good shape with that defense. And now can Will Rogers take another step forward? be a little bit more consistent week to week because if that can happen then we're talking about potentially a nine and three team in the toughest division in college football over to tuscaloosa um and it's a different dynamic when you have a red shirt freshman as your best offensive player and defensive player um as your leaders and that's what it was with young and anderson last year um what do you think Saban's mentality, his approach is going to be this? I think we're getting classic Saban, like kicking golden retriever puppies, um, you know, throwing Coke bottles. I think this is going to be like angry Saban, whereas last year he knew he had a young team. He needed to kind of pat on the butt a little bit. 
Yeah, that, that's you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, I, I remember uh, what was it? It was like I think it was halftime of halftime of the Auburn game, where they do the halftime interview <laughs> and uh, on CBS. And Saban's like, "Yo, I just told him to have fun." And we're like, "Who is this guy? Did he kidnap? Did he kidnap Nick Saban? Like, what's going on here?" I agree with you 100. It's going to be a different mindset. We're talking about a team that, in my opinion, should be the unanimous number one in the AP poll, the preseason AP poll, which there's only been one of those in college football history, and it was 2015 Ohio State. I think Alabama should be that next team, given what they return. The best player in college football on the offensive side of the ball, best player in college football on the defensive side of the ball. They need to figure out some issues on that offensive line. There's no doubt about it, especially losing Evan Neal to the NFL draft. They need to be able to kind of figure that out, but there, there's no doubt about it. He's going to have a different approach with this team. It is going to be, hey, we, we don't have any room for error. He is not going to be as passive. There is going to be a different mindset in Tuscaloosa. Last guy I want to ask you about is actually somebody I spoke about earlier in the show today before you came on, Dallas Turner, and I just can't get enough of the kid. I mean, there are times – I remember this happened when Courtney Upshaw – I was watching the Florida-Bama game one Saturday night when he was maybe a sophomore, and like five plays in, I'm like – this is the best player on the field right now. Um, Dallas Turner had some moments last year when he was on the field with Will Anderson, and Dallas Turner is the guy that I couldn't take my eyes off of. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy. And you think about, you know, like the, the move, uh, you know, Arkansas gets uh, gets uh, Sanders, the, the linebacker, and, you know, they're, they're, they're basically like, you know, he was a kid who came in as like, you know, a five-star kid, and he's pretty much out of a job just because Dell Turner starts getting these reps and he explodes onto the screen. And it looks very much like the next great Alabama defender. And that's just kind of par for the course. But you know, what's about a time, you know, like I'm old enough to remember when, if you were, when like, if you were front seven guy at Alabama, you're waiting until that third year probably to get significant reps. And I think Saban has changed his approach a lot with that and guys winning jobs out of camp. I mean, Will Anderson won a job out of camp and then got those reps. And he doesn't just, just default to seniority. Not that he always did that in like a Dan Mullen type of way, but I think we're saying we're seeing Saban kind of get younger and younger, and it has allowed someone like Dallas Turner to step in and be a star right away. I mean, that guy is going to wreak all sorts of havoc in, in SEC backfields for, for the next couple of years as long as he's in school. All right, last thing for you. Uh, it's about name, image, likeness, and, and I, I don't guard rails, reel it in, funnel things down. Whatever the phrasing is, how is there going to be some sort of either regulation, control, or will there be? Because, like, I don't know if you saw this, Jake Garcia. You know, he's supposed to transfer. That's just what it is. And he's at Miami, and it turns out he got a two-year name, image, likeness deal. Essentially, you stay in the program, wait your turn, here's some money. Tank Bigsby, uh, Kayshawn Butte. I mean, it's just generally known, yeah, I'm going to transfer. Okay, I got name, image, likeness money. I think I'll stay. That's where we are right now. Do you think that the current system is how it's going to be going forward? I just don't know how they regulate that. I mean, I my, my idea might be a bit naive of having NIL contracts. Nothing can be signed until, like, you're on campus officially. But that doesn't necessarily take care of the problem that you just brought up with the transfer portal. And how do you get somebody from going into the transfer portal? You just offer them NIL money, and it's essentially the contract. I mean, it's hard to see this going in the other direction because I think in the latter half of the decade, we're going to get pay for play. And this is sort of what that will look like. And these how these are how negotiations will be. So I think that's that's a major issue moving forward. I really don't know how you can address it. I don't think you can all of a sudden put a cap on NIL earnings because – 
You have these contracts that are in place, these legally binding contracts, these guys who have already gotten them. And I, I don't know that you can all of a sudden just slip the switch. I think the toothpaste is kind of already out of the tube with that one. It might just be about accepting this new normal and figuring out the best way to navigate it. There's going to be some pushback, right? Like there's going to be some pushback. You know, some, some market value is going to be analyzed with some of these businesses and the way that IL is kind of broken down where some of these guys just kind of went crazy with it in the first year. So I think that's kind of our only hope to see some sort of regulation with this. All right. So if you're a fan of uh, the Big Ten, you like black cleats and uh, offensive linemen in need of a vowel, uh, SaturdayTradition.com. That's the website. Uh, SEC football, Saturday down south. Connor, I appreciate your time always, man. Anytime, Chuck. All right. Connor O'Gara, uh, again, uh, from Saturday down south and their, uh, their sister site, Saturday Tradition, for the Big Ten Conference. Um, just does a great job down there. And so uh, name, image, likeness. Keishon Butte, I was having a conversation with a couple of LSU fans. This was actually when I was in New Orleans about a month ago. And it was just kind of what it is. Yeah, that's the reason we still have him. Uh, maybe it's the reason they don't have Eli Ricks. I don't know. But it's not only an inducement in recruiting, it's an inducement in recruiting kids who are already, like high school kids, inducement to recruiting kids who are already on your own roster. You can go find it. It's all public. Jake Garcia, really talented quarterback who was behind Tyler Van Dyke, and I think they may be the same classification. Or actually, I think Garcia, depending on what they decided 2020 was going to be, um, they may he may be one year behind. But, again, I, Van Dyke's not going to stay around for all of his eligibility anyway. But Jake Garcia is supposed to look around and go, mm, yeah, I'm behind him, and he still can play another two years perhaps. Yeah, I'm going to transfer, and he didn't. And so, doesn't take any great skill. Go find it. We'll give you a two-year deal. I'm trying to think that maybe the first year, if I get it wrong, I'm close. Like sixty thousand the first year. Maybe the second year is like eighty thousand. So if you got a nineteen-year-old kid going to school for free, Coral Gables, Florida, and you're saying, "Yeah, I'm about to drop five thousand a month on you this year," and if you stay, uh, I'll even up it, give you a nice raise next year. Okay, I'm in. And so I'm going to continue to work behind a really good starter, really good instruction. I will actually stay here and maybe develop some sort of chemistry with the receivers I'll throw to eventually in 23 or 24. So, yeah, go ahead, break me off, and I'll stay. That's name, image, likeness. We have Brian Matthews, and I'll give him credit. Brian Matthews has covered Auburn for 20 years, does a really, really good job. And it was the morning that uh, Bo was already gone and Tank's jumping into the portal. and We all knew it. And so I introduced him. I was like, we've got reports out there. It's not news yet, but it's reports. Uh, Tank Bigsby portal. Give Brian credit. He came on and was like, it's not done yet. Everybody is saying it. You're right. Everybody's. In fact, we couldn't find anybody not saying it. But it didn't happen. And the general understanding is name, image, likeness happened. That's what happened. Kayshawn Butte, name, image, likeness happened. He may be the best receiver in America and essentially put himself up for bid. And you know what I say to LSU fans, whoever the collective, the 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 wealthier Tigers in the background who stepped up, you know what I say? God bless you. The kid gets something. You get to keep your receiver. Okay, I'm in. But acknowledge that this is what is happening. I'm putting myself up for bid, and it includes the place where I'm at already. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We will come back and wrap up this hour one on a Friday next. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. 
An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility, and it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season. King of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. We're stronger as a team than we've been. Um, as far as just the work we put in, you know, a lot of the guys have been through this now. They've, they've seen it. They've done it. Um, and so, you know, we're not having to spend so much time on some of the details that we did early on. They understand that. Now we can move on to uh, some more important things. Brian Harson, Auburn head coach. They've had a couple of practices now. And he's got things to figure out in spring. There are some, some programs, plenty of programs. Um, coming off a somewhat successful season, you look around at the returning talent who you now trolled out of the portal, and you're saying this is our position of strength, position of strength, position of strength. We need to develop some depth here. We need to find a starter at these two positions and whatever it is. That is not what Brian Harson is looking at. Brian Harson is looking at a guy like a freshman tight end, Landon King, actually being a receiver. And he's not a big blowed-up tight end like, um, like John Samuel Schenker. He's – he has the potential outside of, like, Brock Bowers, just ridiculous touchdown numbers last year. Um, and what Jimbo may do this season with tight ends because he's always has plays games with them. Um, John Samuel Schenker was about as productive, as steady, as consistent, a part of the offense every Saturday, about as good as you had at tight end in the conference. He's about 250 pounds. That's not Landon King. Not Landon King yet. But they've been flexing him out, and uh, I will say it is in part because of what he does well. It's also in part because of who's not there, like four or five or six other experienced veteran receivers for Auburn this spring. So that's one thing that they've been doing as he says, you know, this group, they're locked in. We're we're developing them more. Um, I I, I don't know. What I heard last year was, and the way the the phrase was, it really does sound like a first-year coach. Like first year at a at a new place, had success other places plural that's true, uh, but his first year here. What do you mean, Chuck? Uh, everything I was hearing was we're gonna we had to get bigger and stronger and tougher, run the ball more, and and we were talking about that comment yesterday. Uh, Eric Esau, the uh, OC, you know, it's gonna be like last year we run the ball. Well, you didn't run the ball last year, not as well as you needed to. Um, and Tank had about a three week or four week stretch where he just kind of was MIA. Um, so this is not here are the areas of strength and this is 
here are these are all the areas of strength, and here's where we're going to work on in spring to try to improve. Um, I will tell you, I think you have pretty good depth at tight end if Landon King's part of it. Um, and the reason I say that is because a lot of times you may only use one, and you've got a really productive, consistent performer there in the starter. So, yeah, based on one guy, if you had a three-year returning starter at quarterback who was consistent and productive and all that, say, all right, well, that's a position of strength. Not necessarily something that's going to affect all the games, and that's going to be the reason you win. But, but yeah, position of, I can't say that about Auburn. You have five quarterbacks and three of them? I don't think I've ever taken a snap in college. I don't think. Not in the game. I don't think. Um, running back depth, well, it's enough for Sean Shivers to get out of town, but it's still not great running back depth. Wide receiver depth doesn't exist. Offensive line, they may be getting there, but there's going to be a vacuum this year as well because of, again, it was at four returning starters and maybe six guys who have started at various times. That's great. At least four of them are gone, I know. So there are areas where you look and you feel more encouraged on offense. On defense, it's a different story. I still got to figure out what the secondary is going to be. Because, again, some guys who were either played a lot of football or maybe be a first-round pick like Roger McCreary. Um, Got to figure out what that is. But on defense, there are enough guys that I look at, like a guy like Ewan Popo that I've, I've talked about multiple times when we have on guys like Brian or, or JG or whomever. And I want to see if he's ever going to take the leap from what looked like in his first game of his freshman season against Oregon, if that was a jumping on point or that was sort of a reflection of the type of player you're going to get for the next four years. Good for Owen Popo and Auburn that he decided it would be the next four years and not just the next three and take off. But he's a guy that 2022 is really important for because it's time to go from being a productive linebacker to a game changer to a guy that Auburn wins because of on a consistent basis. He's got the talent. He works hard. And there's been injuries and other issues and, and, and such. But he's talented enough to make that happen. It just hasn't happened yet. I was talking about being consistent and productive. That's John Samuel Schenker. And that's not Brock Bowers. See, that's an impactful game-changing tight end. Same sort of thing with Popo. Productive, consistent. All right. I was just talking about Dallas Turner. That's a guy who changes games. And so Popo can be just as good. He can be just as impactful, be just as productive, put up not necessarily the same numbers because I don't know if he's going to be screaming off the edge. And that's always going to create an opportunity, but he can be just as productive overall. Will Anderson last year as essentially a line of scrimmage guy, and he's really, really, really good against the run, and that's one thing that I don't know about Dallas Turner because I haven't seen him play nearly as much. But you don't think of a guy – do you know the numbers he put up last year? Was it 17 sacks for Will Anderson? I have to be off on that. Um, when you have somebody – that starts posting, I'll even say double-digit sacks. Most often, whether it's the NFL, actually, especially the NFL, because at that point, you're getting paid. How do you get paid? I get paid for hitting a quarterback. Um, it's rare that you get a guy that great against the run, and Will Anderson is. That's the opportunity. That's the leap of sorts that you're looking for, Opa Poe. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. 
family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.